It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, January 25th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is really frustrated by that loss, how quickly it sort of happened in the end there. Yeah, it happened fast. All right, we're going to talk about that overtime loss to the Kings and get into your mailbag questions all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen coming to you from the Wells Fargo Center parking lot. He's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date with all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Russ, uh, I, I, I have to say there were some really good aspects to this game, but there was also a lot of frustration, like I said at the top of the show. John Tortorella seemed to think the Flyers had a, a really good game. Do you agree with him? No. I mean, what about all those penalties? Like, they could have won this game had they not had so many penalties. And, you know, John's not being genuine because he was barking at some guys on the bench in their ear. He just was trying to, like, hide it from the camera. But he was frustrated with some of those penalties, and some of them were bad. That James Van Riemsdyk took a horribly lazy penalty. I mean, it was right in front of the refs. There were just – some of it was just uncalled for, and we talked about it. Now, luckily, the Kings only cashed in on one of the power plays. But right. still, the, when you have the penalty kill out there that much, it, it takes a toll on the team. Yeah, I think that was a huge part of it here with taking way too many penalties. And I think when you put that in combination with the fact that, and as we said pregame, when we previewed the game, the Kings are absolutely phenomenal at faceoffs. And when you have Deneau and Kopitar out there, um, you know, the Kings had 66% of the faceoff wins in this game. And on a power play, you put them in a position to succeed. They capitalized that one time that made a huge difference in the momentum of the game at that moment. And uh, I, I think that, you know, giving up three one goal leads in the game just added to that. Yeah, it did. Uh, I didn't think Travis Sanheim had a good game. I know Tony D'Angelo had a bad game. Uh, D'Angelo was really out of position on the uh, second or third goal. I can't remember this moment. And then you saw what happened in overtime. Like, again, these are things where I do have to wonder about the deployment of him. I mean, he's, he's not getting better at his position. He's just not. And, you know, you want him out there for certain offensive Chance is fine, but there were some other times in the game where I'm not sure you want him out there. But, you know, look, 
they did come back. They did get goals. Those parts are positive. You know, Owen Tippett was it was pluses and minuses. While he made a great play offensively, he's too easy to knock off the puck. And when the puck was against the wall or just getting into the offensive zone or behind the net, he was losing those puck battles. And you can't do that. But the Kings are strong and they're fast. And even though they were making some mistakes, when they had it sort of clicking, that's when the Flyers had trouble. Yeah, and I would say that would is especially the case in the first half of the third period where the Kings just took over. And, you know, I, I do want to give the Flyers credit for getting back into it from a possession mm-hmm. standpoint in that third period. Uh, just couldn't capitalize on on the plays. But at the same time, like you really saw the best of the Kings in that third period, yeah. I think, and and really what they can do. And when you have a stronger team, like they have. Uh, and the, that's the way we've been talking about it, right? When you have the Flyers go up against a team that is clearly better, like the Flyers have to play almost perfect in order mm-hmm. to to pull it out. And they just didn't. To your point about Tony D'Angelo did not play well in this game at all. I think his ice time was was slightly reduced, but not enough, in my opinion. I don't necessarily think he should have been benched, but there were definitely situations that he was out there that was not ideal uh, for the Flyers. You know, again, especially off of those faceoffs, which odds are the Kings were going to win. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that, Kings, that's a huge issue. The Kings got smart too. Like Carter Hart was playing a really good game, but they were um, the Kings were um, just sort of not getting, not able to score uh, when there were a lot of pileups by the net. So about midway, I would say through the third, they started shooting high on on Hart from far away, and that's where Fiala eventually got that goal. And that was a smart adjustment. Uh, I get it to two-on-one, so it's a little harder for Hart to make that save anyhow, but it was smart that they noticed that, hey, you know what, let's start firing them from out here so we don't give them a chance because the one thing the Flyers were was a step behind and a lot of times they couldn't ever get fully settled. But if the play slowed down a bit and you shot and Carter Hart got a rebound, then you weren't going to get a second chance. So I think, you know, the Kings played that the right way. And it was interesting because in that overtime, the Flyers went with that uh, two defensemen, one forward structure again. And ostensibly, that's a little bit safer and is a way to ensure that you won't get those rushes the other way. Uh, when you lose possession and yet that's exactly what happened and you know obviously that sequence right before it you know was really strong offensively and it was just a shame that that they couldn't you know bury it at that point but when you have Sanheim and D'Angelo really engaged offensively and a team like the Kings gets the puck and goes the other way like neither one of them could get back regardless if Tony D'Angelo was complaining about a non-call on a trip which is kind of borderline to begin with. Right. I mean, and that was something that happened earlier in the game on one of the other goals was they could, you know, they were just too deep. They both can't go deep like that. You can't do it. And one of them has to be the safety valve. That's just the way it is. And that other part in the game where, you know, De'An- when um, Sandheim crossed over to the left side, D'Angelo never covered the right side. Like he just went behind Sandheim. And it's like, what are you doing? Like your partner just tried to cut across the ice to make a play. and you didn't support him. There was no puck support there. So, you know, those kinds of things, uh, veteran, these are veterans, you know, this is, you know, this is not like a, a kid where you could say, all right, you know, they're going to learn. These are both veterans and 
those kinds of plays have to get cleaned up. And at this point in the season, really shouldn't be happening. Right. And I think that's where you look at Rasmus Ristolainen, who's been playing well defensively, and now he's yeah. on a scoring tear, apparently. Yeah. With, you know, four points in five games, two goals, two assists. You know, maybe this is where you think about switching Risto back up with Travis Sanheim on that pairing because Risto has been a lot more responsible defensively and can handle being in a pairing with Travis Sanheim. And that's what I would do. And, uh, you know, I would have D'Angelo on the third pairing. And I really would rather yeah. bring up somebody from Lehigh and take Sealer out too. But I, I realize that that's probably not humanly possible based on the coach's likes. But D'Angelo at this point has proven the teams that had him on the third pairing had him there for a reason. Uh, Wade Allison also ha had a great game. A little scary there for a second. <laughs> Thought he yeah, might have gotten hurt again. But uh, he definitely think... was slower on his last couple shifts. Like he got three shifts early in the third and then they gave him a rest. And then his other shifts, you know, he was engaged, but he wasn't skating as good. Luckily, you know, they'll have a little time off here. Hopefully he'll he'll get healed, but that it, it's a little worrisome with Wade. Yeah, hopefully he is okay and just a little banged up there because obviously we know his injury history, but it was good to see him get that goal, which was a great second effort by him. Yeah, it was a great working working man's goal because you know he got that first shot in. He even felt himself falling down, and he still had the wherewithal to get that second shot on net. That was a, a situation where Copley did exactly what you're supposed to do as a goalie, makes the first save, and his defense sort of let him down because nobody was there to either, color, either to cover Allison or to try and clear the puck. So great play by Allison. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we move on to the Minnesota Wild next, and we're going to move on to your mailbag questions coming up. Playoffs are in full swing. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features like making betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you could even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. We'll see what happens this weekend. I know everybody's looking forward to the, uh, to the Eagles against the 49ers. All on the app that's safe and secure and super easy to use so football fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Russ, it is time to dig into the mailbag. Got a, a nice variety of questions this week. Excited to get into it. Uh, Brian over email wants to know about the trade deadline versus offers for some RFAs. Uh, I, I think, you know, the first one, I think is pretty clear what's going to happen, but the rest of them are a good question. So starting off with Morgan Frost. Yeah, he'll get signed. I hope now he'll get at least a two-year deal. Maybe they'll give him a three-year deal. Uh, I still don't think they're giving him a long-term deal, but two or three would be fine. Kiefer Bellows, right? if he agrees to stay in the AHL, that's great. I don't think he's going to, so I think he'll be gone. I think so, too. Yeah, Zachary Kewen will get another two-way deal. Uh, Jackson Cates, maybe they'll give him an AHL only. 
because they won't want up to upset the apple cart. He's done okay. I don't think he has a prayer to play for Torts right this minute or even next year. So he'd have to really show something. Ali Luxell, I think they're going to have to bring him back. I, I, I still forgot to look at his contract status, but I would assume they're going to give him at least a one-year two-way. Yeah, I think with Ali Luxell, they might do the thing that they've done with some other guys and have a two-year deal where the first year is you know, a two-way deal and the second year is a one-way right. deal. I think that's very possible with him. Yeah, Zach McEwen, they're going to give uh, another two-way deal for him. I, I think you're you're right there. I, I don't know that he'll want to accept a two-way deal. That's the problem. I think he feels like he's probably earned the NHL-only contract, which from his playing time, sure, but from an overall big picture, I don't know. Yeah, I so, think it depends the kind of picture his agent puts out there because mm-hmm. he's getting an inordinate amount of time with the flyers if for some reason another team wants him he's going to be fourth line six seven minutes and then he'll be lucky if he you know stays up the whole season like that's just reality yeah and that's why i wonder if they're going to try and move Kiefer bellows or zach McEwen at the trade deadline to oh, try yeah. and avoid those to avoid those conversations but uh yeah i i I don't know, man. I think Morgan Frost is the only guarantee here of any of them. He is the only guarantee. All right. Uh, Misty Love on Twitter wanted to know if we see a one-for-one deal for Ivan Provorov coming up. And it's a good question. Uh, Frank Saravelli said the Oilers might be a good fit. I don't know if there's a one-for-one there that makes sense. But uh, what's your take on a potential Provy trade? Yeah, I I don't think there's assets that the Flyers would necessarily want in a uh, trade with the Oilers unless they're willing to just accept picks. Uh, that would be the problem with the Oilers part. I think the Provorov is possible, but I don't think it's likely. I, I really don't because, again, even though things have transpired, the coach is still playing them and those minutes still have to be filled. I can tell you that I'm working on something where another Flyer defenseman is, you know, getting bantied around, but I'm not going to get out there with it yet. Ooh, mysterious. I like it. <laughs> we'll have to see what happens with that uh, article you're working on. But yeah, I just don't see a one-for-one situation with Provi just because I think right now, like you said, building assets is the more important thing. And especially in this upcoming draft, um, I-, I think picks would have to be involved as part of it. So uh, Dave Dryden had a really good question about the right side for the forwards. So we have Travis Konechny, Cam Atkinson, Owen Tippett, Wade Allison, Bobby Brink, and Tyson Forster. There's only four spots. So uh, Dave suggests that Wade Allison could be the fourth line right wing. Travis Konechny is like the first line right wing so there's four guys for two spots Uh, what do you see the solution to that well a lot of guys can play both sides of the wing so i don't think that's a big deal and tortorella has done that i can't pencil in cam atkinson so there's a problem right there so that that puts it down one because until i actually see him playing in actual preseason games and all of them and all of camp i'm not going to believe he's ready to come back so there's that uh and i don't know if brink will be really will be ready i mean i think They'll look at him in camp, and I don't care how many points he puts up in the AHL this year. He's still recovering from an injury. 
and then he has missed a certain amount of time, I don't think it's – I'm going to put Forrester ahead of him simply because uh, bigger body, he's way past his injury. He's right now the best guy in Lehigh, and you know I think Brink could use more seasoning for his overall game. Yeah, I definitely think Forrester is ahead of Brink in line right now. I mean, obviously things could change uh, depending on how the rest of the season goes and, and who looks better at camp. I know with the Flyers, like your performance at camp makes a big impact on whether or not you get that spot. And and they could send you back down a couple weeks later, as has happened many times on this team. But camp performance is a huge part of that decision. So I think it's going to be an interesting battle between those two at camp next year, for sure. Yep. You know, and they've got slightly different styles of play, too. So it'll be uh you know, dependent on what the Flyers are looking for. And remember, there's no mention role. of Sean Couturier in this equation either, which I think is fair too. Well, he's a center. Well, he did put center in there, even though he's mentioning wings, like position of strength to fill holes at center, left wing, right hand. So he did. Right. So do you, do you deal any of these guys in order? No, I can't. Yeah, it's true. We didn't lessen the burden on right wing to get a center or a lefty. Right. Or, so that part I didn't right answer. Defenseman. The answer would be no. Because I can't yeah. trust anybody okay. coming back. All right. <laughs> yeah, I could see, uh, you know, if they're going to make a deal again, I think it's going to be for for more assets that are prospecty picky yeah. right yes. now. That was a very technical term. Oh, yeah. There, prospecty picky. Very technical. I understood it, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Russ, what is your solution to getting more offensive chances that are not on the rush uh, in terms of fixing that zone entry situation and getting set up on five on five? Well, I mean, definitely let Frost carry the puck up, even if they're slingshotting it back to him because he's got a way of having guys miss and being able to get into that zone. He's got the vision to make good passes. So he's one of those guys. Sandheim is another one of those guys. I mean, again, I know. The thinking is D'Angelo should be that guy, but there's a lot of times D'Angelo doesn't have clean zone entries. I can't tell you why. I don't. He's got the talent to do that, but if for whatever reason, I trust Sandheim and Frost more than I trust uh, D'Angelo in that situation. You know, once in a blue moon, Tippett could take a rush up. That's fine. Uh, he generally goes up the same side, but he has a good idea of least of what he wants to do, and that's that's fine too. Yeah, interestingly, this is the, the I agree with all of what you said, by the way, uh, I will say this is one of the rare times I'm going to uh, praise the fourth line, because I think they actually do a pretty decent job at this, like McEwen will take the yeah. puck down and kind of go behind the net. And the other guys, you know, it's not like a, a fancy or really strong perimeter passing getting set, but it it is, you know, really good, like get some dirty goal opportunities in front of the net kind of set. Well, they'll put two of those guys kind of on either side of the net when McEwen takes it down and around. Um, and, and whether it's the defenseman who's with them or whether it's Delorier, like they, they try and get a more physical dirty they do. goal and, and, kind of and set. And sometimes that's good. You can't let Delorier carry the puck ever, though. Just no, he's the he's the trailer that gets set in front of the yeah. net in that. You scenario, have to wait for him. Yes, you do. You do. Uh, one more question before we take a quick break. Is there any shot that Torts makes changes to the assistant coaching staff this offseason? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I think there's a good chance. I I'm not going to say who yet, but if you listen to the show, you probably have a good idea who I think it is. 
Yeah, there's one guy that he likes a lot and has done tremendous work creating the power kill situation right. that the Flyers have put together. And then there's the other guy. Yep. So <laughs> well put. That, that would be it. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up next, we are going to answer some prospect questions as well as look ahead to the All-Star game. So uh, we'll we'll do that next. All right, we've got some more good questions here. Uh, the first one, do any defensemen in Lehigh Valley get a call up this season after the trade deadline? I think Zamula will because he is, is trying to be more assertive down there. He still has you know, a fair amount of points for the uh, rotation that he's in. He's not playing all the time. He does get He does get assists. His skating is good. His physicality can be good. Like, he's pretty close to being ready. You know, Adderd still needs some work. I would rather just see him finish out the year right. there. If they make the playoffs, great. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, right now it would be Zamula or Bust. Yeah, I think so, too. Although I would be intrigued if Adam Yenning gets a, Yeah, a I mean, if they want to give him a couple well. games because he's, you know, done yeah. really well, that's fine. Um, I would want to wait, though. I want him to be at his height of physical power so when he comes up, he could be um, a little like Matias Samuelson and really throw his body around. I don't know if he's ready to do right. that yet. Yeah, it's, it's a good question for sure. I, I just think that, you know, obviously it'll depend on what moves get made yes. and if there's any extra spots open for defensemen. But if a second guy is going to get a call up, that Yinning gets gets a good shot at it this year. But no one towards it'll be Kevin Connaughton. Uh, I don't know about I know. that. I'm just saying. But, all right, uh, next question. Do the Flyers cut ties with Samu Tuomala this offseason? No, you can't. I mean, if, if you do that, it's, boy, you really just wasted that second-round pick. You need Tuomala to hopefully turn into something. So uh, you have to just do the opposite of what you just said and bring him in, get him to play with North in North America. If Like, look what Brian Lambert's doing. You know, he's playing in Seattle. Uh, we wanted and I know you were on board with this. I wanted uh, Tuomalo in in the OHL this year. They didn't make it happen, but yep. still goes for next year. Get him in the OHL. It's, he needs to play games. Yeah, I, I think so too. And maybe a fresh start and a, a change of scenery will help him out. Maybe being at home hasn't been the right move for him. So we, uh, we shall see with him. Uh, I like this question a lot. Any predictions for Kevin Hayes' events in the All-Star Skills Competition? You know, I haven't really looked over all the events. I, I can tell you it's not going to be fast as skater. Uh, it won't be that. No. It won't be that. Um, I think if, if they still do the breakaway challenge, because he does have a really good first pass, I can see him doing that. Yeah, I, I could also see him dropping into the Claude Giroux spot where he does the accuracy thing, like shooting into the mini nets and, you know, trying to, or trying to hit targets. Um, oh, I the think mini nets from the water. If they do that, maybe, yeah. Not, not the oh, water not ones, one. but you know, where they have the tiny nets, where oh, you yeah. have to sauce, pass it over right. the little barriers yeah. and go into the tiny nets. That might nets. be good. Yeah. I think that's where he will end up. But, uh, 
Yeah, I hope he has a lot of fun. I hope he gets to show his personality. Yeah, he's a got lot. a good personality. I haven't seen it. I have not seen him smile a lot recently. No, on, it's, at least on camera. It's been a few times, but I would say it's been few and far between for sure. Yeah, so I hope he smiles a lot at the All Star Game. Uh, another good one. Who of the current Flyers do you think might go into broadcasting post career? Wow. Um, I I could see. Travis Konechny because he's pretty funny and opinionated. If he um, if he wanted to, I think he could. Wade Allison probably be another natural. Wade Allison would probably be uh, very much like Keith Jones. Maybe not. Um, maybe it would take a little bit more training to get as good as him. But he went to the same college and he seems to have a similar game and a similar view on life. So I think I think he would be a good one too. That is a good one. I wonder about James Van Riemsdyk mm. there. I think he would be a good color uh-huh. analyst. I think you're right about Wade Allison or like Travis Konechny is a studio guy, yes. right? He's not he's not a play-by-play no, no. or or color guy. No. He's definitely a studio guy. But I think that JVR could be a color guy. Okay. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure any of them are like guarantees, but then I would never have thought Keith Jones would have been that guy either. And he's turned out to have a successful career. So um, you never know with who might be interested. Last question here. Uh, the Oscar nominations came out yesterday. Uh, any snubs or any particular awards you're passionate about? Really nothing that I'm passionate about other than I support the fact that Tom Cruise got snubbed for Top Gun. I'm good with that. <laughs> as as Beck actor, the, the film as got actor, yeah. nominated for best picture though so it won't win yeah i was really hoping uh viola davis would get nominated for the woman king i think that was a pretty big snub there and um other than that yeah i I think it's a a weird year that just some of them just aren't as compelling I think that everything everywhere all at once is a phenomenal film and should win everything. Like there's two nominees up against each other in the supporting actress category there, but I hope Stephanie Hsu uh, would win it, even though I don't think that she will, because um, I do think that, I don't know. I, I think that if anybody from that film, We'll get it. It would be Jamie Lee Curtis in this situation. Yeah, I'm a big Jamie Lee Curtis Stephanie. fan. I didn't see the movie, but I would always vote for her. Oh, she's, it's like, she knows honestly, you should see it. Okay. You really should see it. It's a phenomenal piece of film. And the other snub that I support is Glass Onion. That was good for, you know, the first hour and 15 or so, and then it kind of unraveled. Uh, yeah. If it, had, if it would have been strong all the way through, I might have said it was a snub. But it did get a couple of nominations, I think, like for writing. Yeah, and, just not and best picture thing. is what I'm talking so, about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow to preview the Flyers versus the Minnesota Wild. Plus, we'll have some prospect talk as well. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. If you want your question answered on the show, you can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers, email us at Lockdown Flyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russum at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.